I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we are here for more uh check-in movies to talk about what's going on in the world of movies that if you haven't watched, you probably should. Yeah. Today's is a real uh real fun double feature. <laughs> One is the uh uh, weirdly, maybe the most hopeful thing and positive thing Jimmy McGovern's written as far as we know. Uh, and the other one's just a downer. <laughs> oh, is it just a downer? Well, one is a downer and I'm, well, maybe it's the most hopeful thing, but you have to really. You gotta look for it. <laughs> and I'm not sure. Well, we'll as we discuss this. Yeah, let, we no, will, we'll get into it, exactly. Uh, yeah, maybe it is the most hopeful thing Jimmy McGovern has ever written. I might give you that one. But how much hope there actually is, given that 20 years later... Well, no, but I mean, and that's, that's something we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's... Okay, yes. Has there been any movement on gay priests? Has been there any movement on ending the ridiculous celibacy thing? Okay, no, there hasn't has been. there been any movement on the gay thing? Well, no, I think there has been movement on the gay thing. <laughs> I think there's been a lot of movement on the gay thing. Maybe not in the UK, but here in North America there has. I mean, you say that, but like, I want to remind you that 20, literally 30 years ago when this movie came out, like gay people couldn't get married. In many states, there were many jobs. Well, I'm not talking no, about... No, 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 no. I'm just saying that, like, yes, things are better for gay people now than they were 30 years ago. Okay, we've been backsliding lately, and lots of hate groups and Nazis have sprung up, but it's still better than it was in the 90s. Okay, but the film is called Priest. I know, but you... But my... I already said, you know, like, there's... How shall I put this? Um... It is, yes, it's still a huge problem in the church. I'm not saying it's not a huge problem in the, the church. The Roman Catholic Church. Yes, obviously, that's what we're talking about. It's called Priest. Uh, you're not going to make a movie called Priest about an Anglican. You're like, well, there's a Jimmy certain Dark drama. A <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, the first movie we're talking about is Priest. Uh, 1993 or 1994, whenever it oh. came out, it's Priest. Uh, with Linus Roach. And, um, uh, oh God, Wilkinson, Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson. Tom I couldn't remember his first name. And of course, our beloved Robert Carlyle, who is basically director Antonia Bird's good luck charm. Uh, <laughs> I'm saying she works with him and she does incredible work. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, it's just as good as it was. You know, I'm yeah. older now, so I get it. I appreciate it even more than I did when I first saw it all of those years ago. This is just a damn good movie. Yep, from beginning to end. Oh, oh, as a movie, it's whoa. it's so beautifully that whole first act, like the first act that ends with him going to the gay bar and meeting Robert Carlyle, right? Yeah, that whole first act of him as the right wing priest who has come to you know straighten out this northern like this. Northern parish where everything's kind of lax and Tom Wilkinson priest cares a little too much about social justice for people in the diocese to be comfortable with. 
Well, the at least the uh, powers that be are a little too uncomfortable. Yes, there you go. Well, no, sure. I think you can say it's the diocese, like it's it's the bishop. Some himself. of the diocese. Yeah. Well, no, the yeah. bishop doesn't seem pretty happy with him. He steals the man's car after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But yeah, that's <laughs> that's a nice one. Uh, but yeah, it's like it is so forthright with its issues, like. It comes in, right? And it, uh, right? It, it's like, yep, it sets up the territory wonderfully. You've got like the, the wonderful, oh my God, the scene where he suggests where, uh, oh my God, where he suggests doing home visits. And they have the montage of what it's like doing home visits. In this parish. In this parish. <laughs> right? He comes, it's just, I think you need to start off with, though, because you have the bishop and the archbishop and they're talking and they're going to send in um, whatever his name is, um, our our The main character, the priest. The priest, right? The titular priest. To this parish. Mm-hmm. Well, what's he like? Oh, and what's the, what's the priest who's in charge of the parish, like. Yep. So he, he's kind of left-wing, but so this guy is, you know, definitely. And so what you do in the beginning is see them sitting down at the table. Yep. Right? And he's ordered a newspaper. Yeah. And it's sort of the, the chief, the priest who's running the parish, whose parish it is, because he's the junior priest, says, well, don't you think that's spending too much money? And and it turns out, of course, our nice conservative right wing priest is um, oh uh, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. It, it brought in Rupert Murdoch's. Yeah, he's brought in the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail and Rupert you know, Murdoch's scumbag tabloid, which is basically what the 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 priest says. Oh yeah. My, and uh, but we have leading to, to that perfect Jimmy McGovern uh, response, which is the uh, Tom Wilkinson saying, "I've never cared for Rupert Murdoch," and Linus Roach saying, "He always speaks highly of you." <laughs> this is such a beautiful exchange. Well, no, I mean it is no what it is is setting this guy yeah, up, it is. up as as a is as a hypocrite. <laughs> oh yeah, no, but the payoff of him having the Daily Mail is so beautiful. Yeah. Like, because that is such a beautiful setup and payoff. Oh, yeah. No, the payoff is great. But I wanted to talk right away at the beginning. You're seeing it entirely. You don't really know what this is all going to be about. Mm -hmm. It literally could just be about uh, a naive priest finding out what the world's really like. It's not until you get 30 minutes in that they tell you what this movie is about. Yes. But what happens is the way it opens is that priest... The old priest sitting yes. in the church mm-hmm. and, you know, and just so finally taking down a wooden cross crucifix, right? Yep. You know, and you, I was wondering if he was going to burn it, right? Yeah. That was, I can remember. And, you know, because the kids are, have a bonfire going in a yard. Yeah. Is he just going to throw it in? No. Is he going to throw it in? No. He marches all the way to the, Archbishop. He doesn't just march. He also takes it on the bus. 
He takes it on he the take, and You get the great image of the priest carrying this giant cross on the bus. Yes. And then he gets there and he rams it through the front door. Yeah. The window's in the front door. Needless to say, because, as he said, they've kicked me to the curb. Yeah, he's been put out to pasture. Yes, he's... And, um... So... And in case you don't know what that means for priests, it's they take you out of a role where your job is to interact with the public. Like, you don't have a... You don't have a... a Well, you're... All of your pastoral work is done. You're not supposed to interact with the public anymore. Basically, it's go sit in a room reading the Bible until you die and we'll keep feeding you. Is the position he's been placed in. You're off to the monastery. Yes. Even if it's not the real monastery. Um, And what happens, right, is that he's way too left wing. Yeah. So he and the priest who is now in charge of the parish were basically of the same mind. Yeah. And that's why they got rid of him because he was old enough to get rid of. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, that scene just sets this up. You still oh, not does. sure what's going on until you meet young priest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the the title, the character. The titular priest. Yes, the titular priest who, you know, is ordering the Daily News. The Daily he, Mail, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Daily He's the kind of guy who orders the Daily Mail and doesn't want, and his first sermon is about uh, scapegoats and how <laughs> it's always society to blame. Why aren't people capable of taking personal responsibility anymore? It's just like... <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. No, he's perfect. Like, it's such a perfect sermon for him to start with. Yes. To establish uh, the kind of guy this is. And then he, he wants to know if that sermon was okay. And the, and the priest. Tom Wilkins is like, no. Um, Wilkinson is, yes, yeah, like, uh, no. no. I don't know who you thought that was for, but it's not for anybody listening to you here. Yeah. Oh, God. And then we have a death. Uh, a guy dies. And, uh, you know, they want to do the, you know, the normal the wake where everyone gets together and they sing and they have a good time. And he is massively uncomfortable with socializing with his flock. And so when it's his turn to do something, he's like, Hey everybody, uh, you know, I know we're having mass first thing, but if you want to get in your, if you want to get in your, Oh my God. If you well, want you to, can't take communion. Yeah, if, if you, 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 can't, if you haven't confessed. So if you want to get in your confession, I'll be opening early before the funeral tomorrow, or we could just go out back tonight. Like, Oh my God. And they're all just looking at him. Right. Yeah. Anyway, one woman does take him up on exactly. it. Well, no, the daughter, the daughter, because she needs yeah. to talk about how, like she needs to talk about how much she hated her dad. And how yeah. awful her dad was. Yeah. And she can't talk about it with anybody at the drunken party celebrating her dad. So she goes to talk to the priest. The communion is just an excuse. And I mean, and the, the fact is, the film is very open about this. The communion is just acts as a safe place to have a counseling session. Yeah. For so many people. Because there's no one they can talk to. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a place for, at its best, it is a place for people to find comfort and perspective. At its worst, it's just, you know, giving people a list of times to say their Hail Marys. Yes. So. But yeah, anyway, it's, it's a really good so scene. Many, 
set up. And then we, we discover, of course, Oof. that Tom Wilkinson and the housekeeper are, are having an affair. Yeah. And of course, this is, he's broken the vows of celibacy. It's, it's so it's, shocking. He's taking advantage of this woman. She <laughs> must be gone. I know. Because after somebody in the congregation, they all know this is the case. Oh, yeah. And so one guy says, yeah, he's got his little hottie on the side or whatever. And of course, the priest, and this is just so disrespectful to the office and, and not setting a good example. Like it was on and on and on and on and on yep. and on. Right. He goes. Um, so it is it 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 is well done. Yeah this point and then the next morning right after he's had this talk with tom wilkinson well, no, but it's tom wilkinson's point of view on it is very interesting yes. and i really liked which is that he's like look i started uh i started in south america and men are not taken seriously in the places i went unless they have a woman so you know if i wanted people to listen to me that's how it was and then he came yeah. back here and you know he just saw no reason to change his lifestyle when he met a woman he was attracted to and who was attracted to him. Yeah. And well, what's interesting is you need to go and read. Um, if I had thought about this, Graham Greene wrote um, a whole novel about yeah. this in Mexico. Okay. This, this issue, right? I have um, not read this. Which one? Now, now you're asking. I have it upstairs. Okay, we can look it up to... later. I should not have put you on the spot like that. No, no. Be if I had remembered the title, um, we would have been set. Yes. Um, I, I, if I thought it would come up, and then it didn't come up. Um. Anyway, but the point is, uh, yes, it's it's an issue a lot of people have written and talked about. But uh, then, uh, so he finds out about this, and he's had his row. And then we get the big confession scene. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Where he's uh, having the kids come and do their confession. And it's like a class trip from the Catholic school to come and do their confession. <laughs> this, is your, yeah, this is your class trip. You've got to do your confession. Before I know you it's have... weird, but, you know, that is what it seems to be. No, that is what it is. Yeah. Because what happens is, is that at seven, they all get confirmed. Yeah, And so therefore, they have to do, before the confirmation process, they have to do their first communion. By the way, the Graham Greene book is called The Power and the Glory. Ah, okay. I have not read The Power and the Glory, so. Oh, it's 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 a great book. Okay. Well, okay. I will add it to that list. But, um, okay, so. Yes, so, and they, so, so he gets the confession from the little girl. Yeah, from the, oh, God. You know, because he's. He's he's ready to push her out, right? Yeah. And he won't leave. Yeah. He's like, she's next, crying. next. Because he doesn't take children's confessions really? seriously. Heavenly. Heavens, no. But, you know, and this then, girl needs someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Ugh, because her father's molesting her. Yeah. And you're like, oh, damn. And we've got the seal of the confessional issue. Yep. Which is, in fact, a lot of what this is about. And uh, if, the, if the fact that his, I mean, the heartbreak of watching this and seeing his being like, well, you have to tell him to stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, this is a man who is 
very naive, as we will yeah. find out going forward. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In many ways. And yeah. um, about life and is not trained, of course. I mean, they weren't nope. trained veterinary to deal with this issue. And it was barely breaking yet. Yeah. Like there were some cases. There was the case in Canada mm -hmm. before. And but that was only breaking near the end. I've already always already told the story of the fact that when I wanted to do something on sexual abuse in the church and in the in Christianity, and I was told, well, I don't think there's anything there. <laughs> uh, but go ahead, dear. And um, and then, you know, sort of like about five years later, the same the same professor going, well, I guess you were right. <laughs> <laughs> OK, after yeah. Mount Castle broke and some of these other cases broke, Jason Berry starts writing mm -hmm. his book. Um, yeah. And so it was. Yes. But in nobody, I would. Sometimes I would say they still don't take it seriously, but that's another issue. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, this is probably the first time he's ever heard anything like this. Yeah. That there's even a possibility that good Catholics would actually sexually abuse their children. Yeah. Um, and so he he's, you know, yeah, but you're just going, how the total inadequacy yeah. of this. This was like one of my, one of my, people dying of AIDS who said yes the priest abused him and mm -hmm. he told his mother and his mother says well just let it go dear priests have needs too Jesus Christ you know this was up in I think Timmins or Kirkland Lake <sighs> in northern Ontario and yeah <laughs> no but yeah no the church yeah. is completely it just does not have it in it to know how to respond to this kind of stuff it yeah it doesn't and that's unbelievably frustrating to watch in this movie because he so desperately wants to do something, but he has no idea. Like, there's nothing he can do. All he can do is, you know, uh, bring his own moral <laughs> superiority to bear, which is complicated by the fact that we see him, you know, go out to a gay bar. Uh, no, yes. But before that, we have the confrontation between oh, yeah, him and the priest. And the the Wilkinson's woman, John Wilkinson's woman, exactly. Oh, and and she just laid it out, and yep. she said, "I'm the one that suggested this. I'm the one that set this up." And he I offered know. to, and more importantly, he asked he me offered. to marry him and yes. would leave, happily leave the priesthood, but I refused to take him away from the church because it's so important to him. Yeah, and that yeah. was that. And she said, "I'm well taken care of. There's no problem." Yeah. If he dies, good money. I have a whatever. pension. If he dies, yeah, I'm I'm fine. So let it go. Yeah, because and <laughs> Tom Wilkinson is. does remind the priest that it's like there's nothing about celibacy in the Bible. It's just a yes. rule that the church made up so that there wouldn't be fights over property between the church and the widow of a priest. And by the way, that's 100 percent true. And what we are going to get eventually is the line that celibacy is a gift. It is not a demand. It mm -hmm. is a gift. But yeah. we'll get to that because we talk about the two gifts yeah. later on. Oh my God. That scene so, is fantastic. Yeah. That that's a that's a key scene in all <laughs> yep. of this. Like like Jimmy McGovern just knows how to write this. Stuff. He's a fantastic writer. Come on. Oh, unbelievable. But he's also Catholic, right? Yeah. Oh, he is it's Catholic. Interesting. 
He never took on the child abuse issue, though. No, I mean, maybe he did. We haven't watched everything he's written. He's got, he's got another 20 years of writing that we haven't <laughs> looked into. Maybe he did. You know, because we've just been watching Jimmy McGovern stuff pre-Spotlight, you know? So who the hell knows what Jimmy McGovern's been getting into since. That's something we should probably look into, given how much we love Cracker and this. Uh, but yeah. anyway, so yes, he goes out and he picks up Robert Carlyle and he pointedly does not tell Robert Carlyle that he's a priest. I mean, it's so it's so funny when Robert Carlyle says, so Catholic, eh? Yeah, takes one to no <laughs> and, one. And he looks at him, right? And and Robert Carlyle just goes, takes one to no one. Yeah. <laughs> he just immediately, it's like he <laughs> recognizes the repression. He can see it all over Linus Rose. Yeah. Like, it's impossible to not see that this guy has been bottled up by the church. Yes. Forever. And, of course, Robert Carla just has no idea how badly. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah. oh, my God. So then we get his attempts. So now we know he's got this to deal with as well. So he's going to yeah. be juggling being gay. And that, that moment when he's, like, riding home from... <laughs> Riding home from Robert Carlyle's, and suddenly there's a guy with super long hair staring at him next to him. And you're like, is is he imagining Jesus judging him? No, it's a guy. No. It's a weirdo on a skateboard. But yeah, well, not only moment. a weird, but probably probably somebody who was also gay. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Skateboard yeah. next to him, thinking about well, and then he just speeds up his bike and yeah. races home. And but comes it's just, home late. it's a deeply weird moment. Yes, comes home late. Yeah. And Tom Wilkinson talks to him and I say, Do you want to talk to me? Yeah. You know? Like Thomas Tom Wilkinson's character is aware, probably suspects. Oh yeah. Already. Mm-hmm. But he would never bring it up. Yeah. And and of course there is the right of confessional the confessional. Mm-hmm. I mean go into the confessional with other priests. Oh, yeah. That's how it has to be done. And so he could have... He could have confessed that way, but yeah, he can't. And he can't even say that he is. Mm -hmm. And that is because, of course, you don't have to act out on it. It's funny. The IMDB, like the the blurb, only talks about the incest issue. Doesn't say about the homosexuality. He might be, uh, I'm not saying you're missing the forest for the trees. That is a big part of the plot, but it's not the whole plot. It's no, it's far it, from it, the whole plot. It's, it's, no, the other, it is the secondary plot. Yeah. No, the main plot is dealing with being a gay priest, you know, and it's worth noting. And I mean, his relationship with this little girl who's being yeah. abused is key to his yes. journey. Yes. It is yeah. key to his journey because it forces him to question the seal of the confessional. Yeah. And you know, once and- he starts questioning the seal of confessional, well, then he has to start questioning all of the other rules that have yeah, been made and, up. And what has happened, though, is that the father is the one that comes and tells the priest to mind his own business and gives him this whole crap about incest is normal. And by the way, that's the moment, by the way, that is the only moment in the, uh, the screenplay 
We were like, okay, I can absolutely tell that Jimmy McGovern that we know wrote this because the speech that the father gives is yeah. exactly a speech Fitz would give if he was trying to get a, a father to admit he molested his kid. Yeah. Like, it's exactly what Fitz would say. Like, you can hear Robbie Coltrane delivering these lines if you yeah. close your eyes. <laughs> so, no, it's it's such a great scene. Yes. And, yeah. and it is a great scene. And and basically, uh, what do you, Linus... Yeah, Linus. Uh, well, he has, and I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the the genius of this scene. Because all he can do, there is no, but there is a genius to this scene. And I'll tell you what it is, is that all he can do, Linus just sits there over and over quoting chapter and verse about why this is bad, going to the Bible, going to the Bible, going to the Bible. And it's not impressing the, it's not impressing the, the molester. It's not uh, impressing this monster. And then. But Linus Roach has the last word, which is, well, how does your daughter feel about all of this? Yes. And that was the good line. That, that was exactly. the perfect line to because end it. How does your daughter feel about this? Exactly. Oh. And obviously, if she's confessing it, she's not happy. Yeah. Well, and what I love is because then you get, like, the scene where he's told the daughter, like, can you tell your mother, right? Can you go to the authority? And she's like, no. And then this horrifying scene where the mother comes to talk to him and he's like, oh, and you see the relief on his face that he's going to get to talk about this and go to the authorities because he thinks the daughter yeah. has talked to her. And no, she just like needs access to the photocopier for the yeah. thing they're doing about building, about zoning in the area. And then he tries to call child welfare. Well, yeah. he goes to the school first because that's he what He goes to the school first and asks, have you noticed Thank anything? You. Yeah. Have you noticed yeah. anything about her? Yes. And so, yes. And she does find something that this little girl is being picked on by yeah. the other girls. Yeah, exactly. Okay. She's being bullied. So, okay. She's being bullied. Well, that's the solution. And there, there's Tom Wilkinson. He is being pushed and pushed and pushed. Mm-hmm. And finally, he calls social welfare. Yep. Right. And then when they give him a social worker, he hangs up the phone. Yeah, because he just can't do it. He can't break the seal of the confessional. And mm-hmm. then he does find, I will say, a rather, because he knows that the father it molests the daughter when the mother is in meetings. Yeah. And so he calls, the, so they have a church meeting about I, whatever in the church. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was about. It's not it important was, what it was about. It, and he sees his he sees his chance to call the meeting early because they're fighting and wrangling. Oh, I know it was about homes and apartment buildings and buildings. Right, yes. It was yeah, about right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and homelessness and whether these are good and they got into a fight. And Accessible living and like yeah. living for the lower classes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he says, Well, we're never going to come to a solution. We're going to call the meeting early. And she goes home and catches him. Well, no. And the interesting thing about this is the film doesn't let you set, like, doesn't make a firm statement about how conscious a move that was on his part. Yes. No. Yeah, no, you don't think it is conscious. No, because what yes. he does is, <laughs> what he does is while she, he's called the meeting early and he go because it seems like he's just having a breakdown. 
yes. over the fact that he knows that this abuse is happening while they're all sitting here. Yes. And he calls the meeting and he goes and he prays and he demands that God intervene somehow. And yes. what and the God irony does. is him having this collapse, <laughs> right? Having this collapse is what causes it to finally happen. Yeah, so his prayer is answered, but by it's by his emotional collapse, not by divine intervention. Well, well, what you would say is that God caused that. Yes, God caused that. exactly. Well, I mean God that's the whole uh, omnipotence. That's the yeah. whole omnipotence and predestination thing that he keeps talking about the handyman with the handyman. Yeah. That it's like, how can Judas be a bad guy if he was predestined to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? oh, if he was predestined was... to betray Jesus, how can Judas be a bad guy? And it's like, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> well, that was my mother's, that was my mother's first move away from the reform tradition was the whole business of Judas. Yeah. Like, how can it, how can you call it his fault when his actions were necessary to save uh, humanity. And let's face it, didn't his sins get washed away with everybody else's? Yeah. <laughs> so why is he vilified and why is he in hell? Exactly. Oh, so there. Yeah. Yes. It's a really yeah. good question. The, the, the issues of theodicy and, and every theological issue in Christianity is yeah. brought with those problems, which is why there are so many brands of Christianity. By the way, um, I heard. I know this is a slight change, but it's like again, since we're talking about uh, redeeming uh, figure uh, figures in Christian uh, in Christianity, uh, I don't understand how someone can read uh, Paradise Lost and come away thinking that you know Satan's a bad guy. Yeah, that's that was the problem because Paradise Regained is as boring as hell. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like, well, no, like he gives, uh, they're, they're saying, well, the well Milton believed in obeying God. So, uh, so when Satan makes all of these eloquent statements about how he, you know, can't obey, like, obviously that was supposed to be shocking and bad to people. I'm like, I've read those passages though. And I don't like, nobody has a good counter argument to Satan in there. I don't think John Milton, like, whether he meant to or not, he's making a really good argument against the church. Well, no, against God, because yes. God, is, this is this authoritarian system. Yeah. Right? And so Satan is is bucking, bucking the this authority, this unrelenting authority yeah. that is never questioned. Mm -hmm. And this is the big problem, for example, in Job. Yeah. And um, yes, you have you have structured up, and if this is the God you believe in, then this is the God, and you cannot not obey. Mm -hmm. And yes, so at the time, I suspect I'm not sure what Milton meant to do with that. Um, yeah. It is because it has such such a horrible ending yeah. and the world has changed so much right that we see the satan here as something very different than 
it was read at the in the in the time yes yeah because this is the time i mean milton milton's paradise lost pilgrim's progress i mean these are all very protestant documents mm -hmm. because i remember when i did a, a paper for my english class uh comparing um the garden of uh, augustine with um milton and okay teacher said my professor at the university is oh you're not going to be able to make that and of course the whole <laughs> afterwards was well yeah i guess you did did you because what happens is is you can see that milton is leaning very heavily on augustine's mm -hmm. paradise lost story yeah. his whole idea of paradise now milton makes some more twists because we're protestant now and you know so therefore augustine is a little too catholic right <laughs> but but we're still in that mode i mean predestination still exists yeah the fall there's nothing in the bible about the fall of the angels by the of course way not. No, no no it's all bible it's, fan fiction well yes what yeah that, that, again the modern term for it it is, no, it is they were parts of what you would call heretical ideas mm -hmm. that were all over the place in the first four or five centuries, six centuries that continued. That's why certain groups get to be her heretics and others don't, right? Yeah. Depending on where they, they stand on this. And you could pick up this story. This was Paradise Lost, right? Yeah. And Paradise well paradise regained we nobody ever talks about paradise regained. for good reason <laughs> yes but paradise lost is if you wanted to use the term fan fiction paradise lost is fan fiction of course right it extends it expands and um it gets into people's heads i mean people believed that demons were real people believed satan was real people mm -hmm. believed that evil was just as incarnate as good yeah and, you know so yeah anyway no, so that's you taken us things. away well no it <laughs> is taking us away but it's all about it you know it, it comes down to this whole idea of you have to be able to look at what the origin of this stuff was yeah you really do and what's so good about this scene is right is that all the judah scenes is it's saying well are you in charge of your like do you have free will or don't you you know, and obviously you've got to say we have free will and that's a contradiction, right? That, you know, this theology is not equipped to deal with. Well, as I, as I've always told you, you can't have free will when you have predestination. Nope. And, um, you know, I mean, as, as I always said, uh, Calvin didn't like the fact that he became this ardent predestination, but he read the Bible through from beginning to end, believing that it was all connected and that you could enter, that all of it um, was, if you could just put it together well enough or understand it, it was all interconnected. It was yeah. a unitary whole. It was the revelation from God in this, maybe it's a strange way, mm -hmm. but this is how God did it for us, yeah. right? How he structured it up for us. He didn't like that it was predestination, that 
was the key to understanding everything. But it's the conclusion he came to, and based on what he was working with, it's understandable how you would come oh, to that. Oh well, conclusion. all you have to do, and and so you can argue against it. But he's also the one that said, "Okay, you know, I'm following Charles Charles Hopkins." But at the beginning, he said, "Look, God's power is limitless. Mm-hmm. God can do what God wants." And any attempt to limit the power of God, that is the problem. So, therefore, if God wants to reveal him, her, itself (laughs) in different ways in different cultures, that is fine. Now, he backs off and says, ours is the best one. (laughs) But But it is fine. But this is the way God has revealed him. Well, he would say himself. But him, it, herself, yeah, in the Western world, yeah, and you know, showing Hinduism and Buddhism and the rest of it, and and to say that God cannot manifest in polytheism is, of course, limiting the power of God. So, and you're, that's one thing you're never allowed to do. You're never allowed to do. Now, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's always. To me, that is that makes a lot more sense than an awful lot of other things, and it would end an awful lot of we're the best Christian mm-hmm. exceptionalism, right? Yeah. Like you know. Um, oh, absolutely. I'm sure most people don't uh, want to go that way, but never mind. <laughs> Let's get back to this. All right. No, but I mean, it all factors in. So what happens yes, is the priest has, uh, you know, it's like now they know the guy has been charged. He's been moved out of the house. And, but the then the mother comes. But the mother comes and, and he screams at him for not doing anything when he knew about the abuse yeah. because the daughter has mentioned that she told the priest and it's like yeah and you know that's what caused everything that came afterwards but of course she's not thinking that way and <laughs> you know being attacked for the thing he already felt most guilty about in the world uh, in the world. Me, yeah. you know, it's like, so he goes and he runs off to see Robert Carlyle. Yeah. And, uh, we've, we've cut, we've elided over the part where Robert Carlyle, you know, tried to come to church and get, oh my God, that was unreal. And, he oh, was, and get communion. And, and get he refuses communion. communion. And he refuses to give him communion. And, and, and everybody notices it. And Robert yeah. Carlyle finally leaves. And Wilkinson says, okay, what was that about? I don't know. Don't know it. <laughs> Right? Don't know. Well, I just didn't like the look he gave me, yeah. so I wouldn't give him communion. Which you're a priest, yeah. Robert Carr. I mean Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson knows <laughs> right away something's going on, but of course he's yeah. not ready to confront him over it. No. Uh, but yeah, so he rushes over to Robert Carlyle, and Robert Carlyle's got another guy there because let's face it, you know, uh, Linus has not been good. Yeah, has not been a very good boyfriend. <laughs> Uh, has kept him completely at arm's length, and he had to find out through running to him into him on the street that he's a priest, for example. Yeah. Right? But and he goes to and he goes to, you know, bike off, and Robert Carlyle drives up to catch up with him, because Robert Carlyle does care. And they end up having sex in the uh in this in tiny car. Volkswagen bug and are caught by the police. Yep. Oof. Oh, damn of it. all things. Yep. So he gets arrested, and he's. And you have the wonderful scene where he's there with the the cop, and it's like, 
profession. And he's like, I'm a priest. Catholic priest? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's going to be an issue. And guess which newspaper puts it on the front oh, page? Oh, that's right. He goes home, and there it is on the front page of the Daily Mail. So, of course, he tries to kill himself. I mean, yeah. it's just completely natural. And Tom Wilkinson... I mean, to his credit, knows what's coming, and he runs, like, the minute he excuses himself to his room, Tom Wilkinson is like, oh, this is going to be bad. Yeah. Right? And he tries to kill himself, and Tom Wilkinson, you know, gets him into the hospital, right? And then we find out that uh, he is being removed from his parish. Of course. And sent to the rubber room place for the priest's who can't hack it and are an embarrassment of the de- to the diocese in one way or another. Yeah, we now uh, call them uh, addiction centers. <laughs> addiction centers. Uh, but yes, on the way there, he goes and he tries to apologize to the little girl yeah. and the mother won't let her in to see her. Yeah. And that's key too. And he goes and <laughs> you get a... And we see the terms of the... Uh, of the... <laughs> Of the 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 addiction center or whatever you want to call it is that he goes there. He's not allowed to talk. They'll provide him with food and a bed and one pound for every time he gives a sermon, a mass. A mass yes, whatever one pound for every time he runs a mass. And you see that like only that this the, guy the, speaks to him in only Latin. in Latin. I know. And makes it very clear that he has contempt for everything about the guy. Yeah. Uh, and we have the, but we also within this, when he's talking about dealing with, you know, being gay, he goes to see the priest who was fired. Mm-hmm. And the priest who was fired uh, tells him to just quit. Retired. You know what it means. Yes. Like, you don't, uh, you don't throw a crucifix through the wall of your boss because you retired. That's right. Uh, but anyway, so he tells him, just quit, just follow your heart. And Linus Roach says, and this is the thing that I thought was so clear, right? Because he talks about celibacy, right? And it's like how hard it is. And this is the two gifts, which is that, you know, the gift of celibacy is something I was able to give to the church. And what Linus Roach has, and the reason he can't leave the church is he has utter certainty. Yes. The, that God has, is real and that God loves him and that he needs to serve God. Oh, that he has he has the certainty of vocation. Exactly. It's, he it's, knows where he belongs and he is where he belongs. Now, what is what is interesting with the older, the fired priest. Yeah, the fired priest. Okay, the older priest is when Linus Roach asks him, he said, have you ever had? And he says, no, I was given the gift of celibacy. Mm-hmm. Then when he talks about it, he says, I have thought about. He said, but then there was my mother. I could never have disappointed my mother by yep. leaving the church and th- and getting married. And then by the time my mother okay, died, died it was it too, was too late. late. Okay. Yeah. So he may call it the gift of celibacy. But he's well aware in his head that it's social pressure. There was social pressure. And if there had been an option, he probably would have left over that issue. And then he says, but you have the gift, the gift of the certainty of vocation. Mm -hmm. And that's harder, but you should leave now while you have the chance. Yeah. 
And um, that is at the crux of it. And it, it, but it's a double whammy for this. This, this is set yeah. 1994. He can leave the yeah. priesthood. Um, it's still not necessarily easy to leave the priesthood. No, but it can be uh, but done. He's got, but he's got the dual problem of being gay and wanting to practice gay sex. Yep. And it was only this year, this year, that the Pope, Pope Francis, has said mm-hmm. it is not a crime, but it is still a sin. <laughs> so, you know, and he, this is 1994. Yeah. And, you know, and the church is just beginning to start to have a lot of problems. Yep. For these issues. Um and you know the questioning of things like celibacy. Well, okay, we won't even go there um, because that's irrelevant. Because it's not the celibacy that's the issue. It's no. the certain vocation, certainty of vocation, right? Yeah. And he called that a gift. Now, it is that is interesting, and that will get us in when we get to the next one. Right. Yes. Um, because this idea of certainty is key in both these movies. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is why I said, you know, really, we need because I went and watched Doubt as, and again. Yeah. Uh, right. And there are definitely commonalities set thirty years apart. Mm-hmm. Um, there are commonalities, but yes. Yeah, so he's got a certainty, and Tom Wilkinson has always been trying to get him to leave mass and when he yeah. went the first time do mass with him when he went the first time a lot of people got up and walked out yep anyway and that then you know so then he so he walks out so the linus roach character the priest the titular priest walks mm-hmm. out and goes off into uh, purgatory i guess you could call it <laughs> Um, uh, seeing him delivering that mass, though, to this empty room is just bleak. Yes. So you're left with Tom Wilkinson. And, you know, and this is this is the hypocrisy of, well, it's not hypocrisy because heterosexual sex, while it's breaking the vows of celibacy, is still understandable to the congregation yeah. because most of the congregation thinks yeah. that their priests are next to God because they can be celibate. And if they fall and have sex, well, yeah, it's sort of a sin, but it's not like a big sin. No, it's not because it's making them just more like us. But gain it. Oh, my God. And so we get the wonderful scene where he gives a sermon completely supporting Linus Roach. And, you know, he is among you who is without sin cast the first stone and it's preaching forgiveness and preaching all this stuff. And that's what makes the bishop take his car away. Yeah. He doesn't like the rules being questioned. Well, of course not. Because he starts talking about hypocrites who care more about their social position and the trappings of power <laughs> than they do about the church. And it's like he's talking about the bishop. Everybody oh. knows he's talking about the bishop. This is not subtle. No, don't don't you wasn't subtle about it at all. So the bishop steals his car because it's the property of the church. And after all, does he really want to like does he really want to take all of these perks for being a priest? <laughs> oh, it's so nice. Uh, so yeah, so Tom Wilkinson goes to Linus uh, Roach and says, "Come and give mass with me." 
right? Come and do mass with me. You know, you have to, right? You have to because it's it's what's best for everybody. Because let's face it, Tom Wilkinson wants to walk the walk with being a progressive priest. This is what he has to do. I'm not saying he's morally compromised. I'm saying he can't ethically not bring Linus Roach back. So they come back and we have the climax of the film, which is this sermon. And which is a sermon about understanding and about forgiveness and about frailty. And it's so beautifully written. Yeah. And then the friendly old guy who's been the friendly guy from the team is, of course, the biggest homophobe of them all because he has to be. Yeah. And this is the key part. And we now find, and this is, this is why the film is so artfully constructed, because we are literally on the other side of the conversation that Linus Roach had with the guy who was molesting his daughter. Yes. Because you have this guy just screaming Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse after at Linus. And the key part is, the difference is, and this is where the film draws the line and makes us understand how far Linus has come, is the guy can't say what Linus said to the father, which is, well, what does your daughter think about this? Yeah. Because that's the difference. Here, fundamentally, no one is being hurt by him being gay. No one is being harmed. And that is where, and how much harm are you doing and how much help are you offering is what we need to be using as our metric, not what is written down in a book. And that is the, like, it's the film's thesis and it's hidden so artfully in a series of debates. Yeah, no, it is, it, um, well, what can we say? Yeah. Jimmy is is brilliant as a writer. And when he has an issue that he wants to get his teeth into. And I think that, but what you have to talk, of course, then they have mass. Then they right? have mass. Then they are going to serve mass. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody lines up to take the wafer. From Tom Wilkinson. From Tom Wilkinson. And there's nobody. And then the little girl. Yep. Breaks out of the line and goes to take communion from Linus Roach. It's so and, beautiful. And it's your How can you not cry at the end of this movie? At the end of this movie, it doesn't answer anything for us. Nope. Except that this girl is saying thank you. And she forgives him. And she forgives him. And that and he cannot, and he starts, the tears are coming down, and she's the one that goes up and hugs him. Yep. You know, and he's sobbing in her arms and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. Mm-hmm. And that is the end of the film. It's perfect. It's a perfect ending. It is ending. just, whoa. Unbelievably powerful. It's, it is, you know, it doesn't answer any questions. No, it doesn't let anybody you know? off the hook. And it doesn't let anybody off the hook except, well, no, it doesn't let anybody off the hook. And it is, mm-hmm. yeah, I I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's, I mean, it's a crime that anything but this won Best Picture that year. But I mean, and that's the thing that blew my mind watching this. Yeah. Is as I'm watching this movie and watching this just unquestionably great film. And again, yeah. just... Give Antonia Bird the best director Oscar just for the montage of them doing the at home visits. 
Oh, like, yes. Uh, yeah, we, just we, that set piece alone. Who could direct that? You know, who could stage that so beautifully? It was so but it's like, what the thing that blew my mind when I'm watching this is I'm watching this beautiful movie about faith and about duty and about, let's face it, you know, it's like prejudice. And thinking that it's like, and all I can think is, how is my main memory of this movie the fact that it was monstrously controversial at the time? Yeah. It was. This film, like, it's, and it's not that this film is anodyne. It's not that this film is, has nothing to say. It does. But there should, there's nothing controversial about this movie. This movie is just really clear-eyed about some very important issues. But at the time, this is all before Spotlight. This is all before, you know, everyone knowing that the Catholic Church is a fundamentally corrupt institution from top to bottom. Hypocritical right? to the core. Right? It is hypocritical to the core. So it's like the fact that, you know, this movie was saying what we now think of as just the default opinion about the church. People were shocked and scandalized oh, by it at the time. And that seems crazy to me now watching it. Well, when you consider that this, this is film was banned in Ireland. Well, of course it was banned in Ireland. I, Ireland, when all this, like, I, like I, it took so long for the shit to hit the fan in Ireland. Yeah. And I'm going, where do you think the friggin' Christian brothers came from that, <laughs> that ran Mount Cashel in Newfoundland? Yeah, exactly. And then everybody is so stunned when some of these other Christian brother places end yeah. up having sexual abuse scandals. And I'm going, they all came from Ireland, these priests, yep. and then set up, right, and then bring other priests in. But, and then, you know, the guys at Mount Cashel moved to other parishes, mm -hmm. and I'm going, give me, give me, right, <laughs> like, Ireland, what did you think this wasn't going to happen there? Yeah. Much less the Magdalene, the Magdalene, that, that. I, what's that's that? a whole other conversation there's a whole other film and i think in there was uh walk waking the dead they did um uh, if you want to know about the magdalene um orphanages mm -hmm. uh go, go go watch philomena yeah i mean and that's and that is how far we came it's just like you watch this movie and you think it is a crime that this movie didn't win all the oscars and i'm talking sweep Tom Wilkinson should have gotten Best Supporting Actor. Yep. Right? There's no planet under which Linus Roach isn't the best actor of this year. Right? Obviously, Antonia Bird uh, deserved it. And, you know, Jimmy McGovern should have gotten it for the script. But, you know, it was a scandal. But you fast forward 20 years from this movie, and Philomena does great at the Oscars. Because, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, Philomena's doing great at the Oscars because of the ground that this movie laid out for. Yeah. You know, this movie walked so Philomena could run. And I think this is a better movie than Philomena. But I mean, I mean that in the context of mainstream success. Uh, it really well, saddens yeah. me that this movie doesn't get talked about as much as it deserves to be talked about. Oh, exactly. This, this should be shown. Like, you, you, well, if I was doing <clears throat> a film course on the history of the Roman Catholic Church. This yep. would be, this is on the cusp. That's the problem. In 1994, everything is still on the cusp. Yeah. It's all, the change is coming. We're close to the change, but it's not there yet. 
Yeah, and and it's still not there, but it's, you know, as all institutions move so slowly that you don't even know they're moving until a hundred mm-hmm. years later. Um, but what happened, right, is 1994, you're already getting, because the AIDS crisis has hit, Mm-hmm. And what happened, of course, there were priests who got AIDS. Damn. Uh, you know, so you couldn't, like, there was, you couldn't blinker your eyes. You couldn't yeah. pretend, you know. And, I mean, there's a lot of books already in the 80s and the 90s. Um, but the stuff on the scandals, there's one thing. But the problem of the priests, I mean, you can go back. And read, for example, the Cardinal. Yeah, it has sort of a happy ending in some ways, you know. But he, because his his problem is is that his sister, there, his sister is having problems in childbirth, and <laughs> it has to be the mother or the baby, Oof. and and of course you can't do an abortion. Yeah, and so the mother dies. His sister dies, Oof. right? And this is his his big here. It's the confessional issue. Um, yeah. But that was the big takeaway from the Cardinal. Um, and it is uh, that was uh, yeah, there's the movie. There's a movie, the book. I think I still have a hardback copy upstairs. It would have come with the book of the month club stuff that my mother belonged to. Yeah, um, it was a big, big Thomas Cromwell. Um all the last names to have. Um, I think it was Tom. Yeah, I think so, because I always think about that. But the Cardinal is, um, of all things, the hardback is in purple leather. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it, with with gold embossment. <laughs> Maybe nice. gold embossment, but never mind. Um, but yeah, there are there are issues. There have always been issues. Yeah, and I just picked up. I haven't read it yet. I just downloaded an article about the historiography of the child abuse scandal. Oof. And I won't, but I called for this into to 2012. Like, where is this? Yeah, you know, where is this? We've got one book that lists a whole bunch of things, and then a bunch of other things. And and the problem with the priesthood, always priests were. There were so many priests who were married. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, every now and then you would get the hard nosed priests that would come in um, who would then say celibacy has to be enforced. And, you know, parts of it are, yes, the, uh, you know, there is all of the, the reason it gets supported, yes, is because of the economic ramifications of having priests who are married with mm-hmm. all these holdings that because of the way the laws are set up in these different countries, the holdings will have to be split if they have children. Yeah. But, you know, and the children born out of wedlock, in other words, priests, kids, <laughs> um, taking on a different meaning than being in, than it did in Protestantism. <laughs> the priests' kids were all bastards. This is yeah. why Erasmus could never become a priest. Mm-hmm. He had to become a monk. He could become a friar, right? Be- but he was a bastard. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, he gets sent off to the the monastery to be raised. Um, it's you know, it, it is um, 
but there is always these what you would call ultra conservative papacies that decide to enforce what were rules and yes it does they they talk about this there's no question that this is in the bible the issues but it is called a gift of celibacy yeah you know and it is called you know and then there are eunuchs right <laughs> well and that's a whole other conversation that's a whole other conversation right but what do you do about them and yeah. um it is it is very 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 strange when you try and pull away from the institutional churches because every one of the major ones all have specific theologies uh -huh. um, that have long traditions. Um, even Lutheranism in, you know, the reform tradition and the rest of it are all have lengthy legacies, right. even though they don't want to admit the, the years in between, you can't leave behind the theologies that get structured up as the church, the Western church is developing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not sure that um, it's always the unintended consequences of shift in theology. I often wonder what some of these these guys, if they could, you could resurrect them, and they would sure. sit in the world that they had created. Yeah, mm -hmm. let's take Martin Luther and John Calvin and let them look at the world that they have created and ask them what they think now. You know. <laughs> Let, let's go back. You know? And honestly, it, 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 that's something that I was thinking about the other day, which is uh, like, it's so rare that you get to see that happen, right? That someone actually gets to, you know, look horrified at the world they created. Do you know what my favorite story of that is, though? What? Uh, I'll tell you my favorite story about that. So Henry Ford uh, died of a stroke in 1947. In his, in his giant super mansion, right? Uh, he had, um, his Edsel, his son had died in like, er, like during the war. And so he thought, well, you know, we were doing so much war production. I've got to come back and run it myself. And apparently it didn't go well. Uh, cause he was like 80 at the time. But anyway, he, um, so, but he died and there it has been reported that he died of a stroke. Well, I mean, we know he died of a stroke, but it was reported that he died of a stroke in his screening room in his house. And this might be too poetic to be real, but the thing that he was supposedly watching when he died of a stroke in his house at like 82 mm -hmm. was footage from uh, mass graves being dug up as a part of a newsreel. And the idea that the last thing that Henry Ford saw and the thing that killed him and caused him to have the stroke was seeing the end point of his anti-Semitism, like, is, is one of those ideas that's, I mean, you can, you can say I'm being fanciful here and I suppose I am. I feel like it's too beautiful not to be real. <laughs> and we can always hope. Exactly. We can always hope that that's, that's what he saw in his last moments. And that's when he, that he had a realization in his last moments. It gave him a stroke and he died. And it gave him a stroke and he died. You know, I can't say that's true, but I like to believe that's true. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's not question, it's not question that he did die of a stroke 
in his reading room. It's just a reading room, viewing room, but it is a question of what he was watching. And yeah, uh, the story is that it was uh, a newsreel, you know, a newsreel about the Holocaust. The Holocaust. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> um... it, it would be nice if that were true. So I'm going to keep thinking it is. Yes, well, it's like the end of Citizen Kane, right? Yeah, you want or them to nothing. have that last realization, don't you? Yes, yes, that last when he's crying Rosebud. So, speaking of realizations, we also watched Doubt, which we don't have to talk as much about because it's a much it's a much less twisty film. Well, uh, it is it is um I was it's, not, it, it's brutal. It's a brutal film. I'm going, um, do we, well, I guess we can do, do you that. Do you want to save, you want to save doubt for next week since we've already gone an hour? I'm going, I'm going, we're trying to keep these kind of two. Two, yeah. All right. All right. We'll save doubt. Um, well, doubt's going to take us. It's, I'm not as sure that it's as, it's not the same kind of film. No, it's not at all. And in many ways, um, it's set in 1964. Um, yeah. But there is a lot to talk about. In you know it. what? I think you're right. Okay. I thought we could breeze through it, but I, I just looked at the clock. and We've been here an hour. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to push Doubt till next week, everybody. This was supposed to be a, a two-movie thing, but there's a lot to say about Priest. There was a lot to say about Priest. There's a lot to say, and you haven't about Doubt. very good movie. And, yeah, yeah, you're right. There There is a bunch to say about Doubt. And the two are connected, so they will be... Maybe we'll end up when I when I load them because we're now into August, by the way. <laughs> um, when these are gonna go up. Yeah. Um so what I might do is suggest that we do them like one Tuesday and one Thursday. Okay. That might be a so good that idea. We do yeah. the both of them in the same back to back, week, yeah. Back to back, so it's clearer that it's back to back. I think that's a good idea. All yeah. right. So instead of talking okay. about behind the scenes stuff. Uh, just so y'all can have a, an idea of when we recorded this, uh, literally we recorded this the week they had that whole uh, attempted coup in Russia that didn't go very well. Yes. Ah, uh, yes. Attempted coups. Uh, it's so rare that it's like, it's it's very weird to have a coup where like you're against both sides of it. Yes. It's not like. The only good thing that would have happened if Prigozhin had taken over, yeah, right, is that they would have pulled out of, they would have stopped the war in Ukraine. Yes, uh, that, now, how that is it would true. Have stopped. Yeah, I, I, I really think that when he came out and said this was stupid, we should have never gone in there. Putin yeah. was wrong to do that. I mean, I think that was going to be his um, pullback, and that, and Putin, when he said this is like the Bolshevik Revolution. <laughs> I already said that. I said, yeah. I mean, in in nineteen seventeen, right when the Bolsheviks took over, yeah, pulled out of the war. Yeah, it's true, but it's the Bolshevik Revolution if both sides were fascists. Yes, if well, both no. sides were the whites, that's the you know, well. Here, and they here. were just fighting over who gets the money. Yes. Well, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, it's not like Prigozhin or Putin. I mean, six of one half dozen well, of another. Well, let's not forget why Prigozhin did it. It's, and I mean, this is just a thing worth noting and remembering. He did it because Putin said at the start of July, all the members of this, um, what do you call it? Uh, the, the private military, Wagner, Wagner, whatever he calls it, Wagner, 
after after Richard Wagner. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's why I say Wagner because I'm sure it's <laughs> after the Nazi loving musician. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Richard the point Wagner. is, yeah, Richard Wagner. Right. Um, I'm sure that's why he named it that. But it's like the deal was at the start of July, all of his troops were going to stop being his troops and start just being conscripted into the military. And he refused and he did a coup because he didn't want to lose his company. They were essentially saying, we're going to nationalize your company. You're not going to be in charge of your troops anymore. And who the hell knows how that would have affected his money. And so he's like, no, I'm not giving up my company and I'm not giving up my army. So instead we're going to have a, we're going to have a coup over it. Okay. Here's the other thing. Okay. Yeah. That I think it was stupid of Putin to suggest that he was going to take over the Wagner group. Yeah. Because I, don't, these people are fanatically attached to their boss. Oh yeah. To that, to, to Progosian. Oh, yeah. In many ways. And I and he they would have separated them all. Mm -hmm. And so what's that going to do? What's that going to do to morale? Also, I mean, let's not forget that it's like it's not like these guys are known for fighting wars. Like these guys are a colonial army. Yeah. Like they were set up to go to Africa and like help warlords put down uprisings. Like that's yep. what they're for. These aren't guys who fight organized wars against high tech foes. Like, they were not good at, and they were not comfortable fighting in Ukraine, fighting other, you know, people who look like them with similar training and weapons. Like, that is not what they had been prepared for. That was not what Wagner Group was built for. So it's like, he, I understand why he's... They are a like, racist anti-colonial. They're a they're racist, racist colonial army. Like, that's yeah. what they are. That's what they're for. And that's what, you know, they're more comfortable doing. So yeah, um, I, I wish the coup had gone a little longer. I wish that, you know, they had gotten rid of Putin. That would have been nice. But, uh, at least it has once again demonstrated to Putin's people and the world how unbelievably disorganized and disastrous all of this is. Well, yes, yes. And I suspect somebody else. I think he's on the ropes. It, oh, I don't know how long that's going to take. But when, when Russian leaders go on the ropes like this and make big mistakes... They tend not to have comebacks. Yeah, they tend not to have comebacks. They can they find some excuse, illness, his cancer is going to get worse, he's going to have to retire, and yeah. somebody else is going to take over, and I suspect whoever takes over is going to pull back from Ukraine. Yeah, that would be the climb down, in all likelihood. I, that, that would be the only way you could climb down. Now, what's going to happen to Crimea, which would be the big... I think that there will be a pullback. There would have to be a pullback of territory that they took Mm -hmm. Um, in Ukraine proper during this particular Oh, yeah, all of the war. Donbass, yes. But, but it, there's a real question of what's going to happen with... What's uh, going to happen to Crimea? And, um, that's going to be the big fight. Who knows? I didn't think Prigozhin, as I, as I wrote in my notes for the Sunday thing that we had done after Prigozhin, um, yeah. I, I wrote, yeah, well, it would have been an entirely different podcast. Had we, I we, know, had that happened that we waited 24 hours before recording it, right? Mm. All right. So anyway. uh, join us back here next week for Doubt. Uh, you have a week to watch that one. Uh, not week, two, sorry, you have two days to watch that one. You just talked about how we're going to be organizing this. So join us back here next time for Doubt. Um, that should be fun. Uh, but yeah, th there's going to be stuff to talk about in there. And just rewatching it, I'm like, 
never been madder at heroin than I am about us losing Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, 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 Philip. That, it, it, I went and looked. Okay, he did manage after, this was it done in 2004, so it was 10 years yeah. later, the priest. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about all of that. And then As he managed go. to live uh, until, yeah. when did he kill himself? Like 2016 or something? Yeah, 2016. Oh, no, wait, 2015, 2016, somewhere around that, because they had to edit him, Sorry. they had to, like, edit him out of the last um, Hunger Games movie, so whenever that was. Maybe it was 2013, but the point is... So, Shad, you know, yes, you can be so mad at... I'm not going to say it's my favorite performance of his. That's always going to be owning Mahoney. But he's so good in this. He is. So, yeah, if you haven't seen Doubt, definitely watch Doubt. It's absolutely worth it. It will ruin your day, uh, but it is fantastic. Well, you watch Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman both absolutely at the top of their game. Yeah, yeah. Amy Adams is great too. But uh, the two of them. them. All right. So uh, for now, though, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If, uh, sorry, if you're listening to this on an app or a podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review. That's how people find out about the show. We're going to see you here back uh, next time for the movie Doubt. Uh, But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week.